Thanks for listening to Hey Kerwin. If you would like your questions answered, don't forget to use the hashtag Hey Kerwin on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. First question comes from, oh, do you know this person? Aura Ray. Aura Ray. Aura Ray. Aura. Yeah. Nice Aura. Uh, and they ask, how aura. does one go about starting a business? I get overwhelmed with the details, I end up doing nothing. I'm a pretty anxious person plus a perfectionist, so I'm always running in place and can't go to the next step until I've finished. Oh, maybe business isn't for you. And I don't mean that to sound like a prick. I actually mean that to, to, to help you understand that you know, one of the things that I can tell you about business is if, you've got anxi- if you're anxious, you're going to become more anxious. You're going to have heightened levels of anxiety, heightened levels of stress, heightened levels of tension. Um, and what was the other part? She just can't seem to get started? Yeah, she. Um, I get overwhelmed with the details and I end up doing nothing. Yeah, look, and that is another indicator that, ah, look, I'll just say this, and maybe this is more intuitive than it is practical, or maybe it's a little bit of both, but not everyone's meant to be in business, you know, because business does require the ability to deal with overwhelm, deal with overload, because business is very stressful. Business does build anxiety. In some cases, it can actually amplify underlying or existing mental health issues. And that's where, you know, I really, I think there's a lot to be said for people being in a job these days. A lot of people think that being in a job is a bad thing. It's actually not a bad thing at all. I actually really respect anyone that can hold down a good job and add value at a high enough level where they become a part of an organization and its culture and its movement the long term because if, if put it this way if, if, if there weren't people like that I wouldn't have a fucking organization you know Apple wouldn't have an organization Tesla SpaceX wouldn't have an organization I think one of the challenges that people have is they look at the way that um, entrepreneurs have been created as this this celebrity and look I think it's great that entrepreneurs have become celebrity because I certainly wasn't going to become a rock star I certainly wasn't going to become an actor I'm not a model I can't play any musical fucking instruments so uh, I only had one chance at fame and you know being an entrepreneur might have been it but for me what's really interesting is you know the more the, the, the more notoriety, the more fame that you achieve as an entrepreneur, the less important it actually becomes because you start to realize that the things that are most important aren't often the things that you thought that they were, but you don't know until you get them. Money was one of them. You know, notoriety, fame has been another one. Um, and so for me to loop back to the, the origination of your question, um, I, I think it's fair to say that you might want to really have a look at the motives or your reasons for wanting to be an entrepreneur in the first place. Um, if you have decided that you are unemployable, meaning that you, you, know, you cannot be told what to do, you, 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 you just fundamentally, and I think this is another thing. For, for me, the, the reason I became an entrepreneur was really based on two things. Number one, I had this driving, driving mad passion to do something for myself. But the second thing was, is I, um, I hated being told what to do. And so I think the challenge for some people is they think that they need to be an entrepreneur because it's cool. They think that being an entrepreneur is the, is the way forward because of the things that we've already discussed. But what they don't realize is, you know, being in a job is actually, you know, it, 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 it's quite a respectable uh, thing to do. But when it comes to pursuing um, an entrepreneurial venture, you've got to you know, really be pursuing something that you love. You've got to be really pursuing something that you're passionate about because if you're not, the, the stress is only going to be amplified. You know, the anxiety is only going to be amplified. And, and if we look at that question again, can I have, just have a look at this question? Um, how does one go about starting a business? Well, look, the, the first things first, you, you, you've got to find something that you really love. You've got to find something that has commercial value. And I can understand getting overwhelmed in the details of things. And I, I hate details and I get completely overwhelmed as well. But my desire to do something for myself was greater than the overwhelm that I had when it got into getting into the details. And, and so, look, I, I don't think there is a cure for overwhelm. There are things that you can do. Uh, you know, one of the things, you, there are many videos that we've released when it comes to learning how to condition yourself by using breath as an example. To, to deal with stress. 
Um, but fundamentally, my sense is that this question is a bigger question. This question is more of a question of maybe, you know, should I be an entrepreneur? Because if you want to get started in business, <laughs> you literally only have to go to Google and say, how do I start a business? First things first, you know, you need to have a product. You need to be able to, you need a commercial model. You need to be able to market. You need to be able to sell. You need to have some kind of a value proposition that is fundamentally geared around solving a problem. That's how you start a business is you solve people's problems. But you've got to do it in a, in, in a, in a market where there is a huge, where there's a large enough need in a commercial way where where the problems that you're solving have a significant amount of value, therefore, that people will pay you for them to do the work that after the work is being done that provides you with a level of income or profit that makes the work that you do actually worthwhile. Uh, so that's actually a pretty basic question. I think a better question for you is, are you really cut out to be an entrepreneur? And I, again, I, I really hope that I don't cause any kind of uh, discord here or any kind of offense because that's certainly not my intent. I really am going off, off intuition here. But there are a few red flags in, in the question itself because overwhelm and anxiousness are things that will be amplified by business. And if you can get past the, the desire to, you know, to, if you can get past the ability, if you can get past your overwhelm, if you can get past your anxiety, if you can regulate to the level that's required to deal with overwhelm and regulate anxiety, then you know, you've know you really got to start by asking yourself the question, what problems can I solve? What value can I add? And how do I do it in a commercial way uh, in a marketplace where there's a sufficient need? And how do I promote myself in, 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 a, in an effective way that's going to generate the leads from the people that have these problems? And how am I going to deliver this solution that I have either in the form of a service or a product in a way that enables me to get a return of profit that makes the whole exercise worthwhile? So I hope I've answered both those questions uh, and actually given you something to think about because as I said, being entrepreneur is not for everyone. Uh, Lucy MW on Facebook asks, how do you keep space for unexpected events in a tight schedule? You don't. Uh, you be adaptable. You know, this is one of those things, like I, I love having buffer time, but I don't have a lot of it. But what I do have is I have an incredibly flexible mind and an incredibly adaptable perspective that when things show up that you know, I can provide a level of flexibility or I can apply a level of flexibility and adaptability 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 to the situation to be able to get things done because look there's always going to be situations where things pop up that are completely unexpected and when they do you know you've got to be able to deal with them in the, in, a, in in some cases in an effective and efficient time frame depending on the level of importance or urgency um, you know that that, that that thing represents so you know my schedule is Back to back, it is tight as a fish's ass, and that thing is waterproof. But at the same time, as tight as what it is, um, you know, there is always the flexibility there should something pop up that needs my attention. Does it create its own set of flow on problems? Yeah, it does. But that's life, you just deal with it. And that, by the way, is what being an entrepreneur is all about, is being able to solve problems and adapt to the situations you're in, showing massive flexibility and understanding the only, one of the most consistent themes in business is change. And nine out of 10 times when you least expect it nor want it. Do you like my yellow water bottle? It's not even yellow, it is fluorescent. Okay, what is the best way, tool or exercise to change your mindset? The best one is uh, recoding. Uh, self-suggestion, auto-suggestion, repatterning, uh, and understanding that your psychology is nothing more than a product of the suggestions and the stories that you've been told, that your brain has hung on to, put onto autopilot and repeated repetitiously in a way that have formed 
a, the second layer of psychology, which is a set of beliefs, which determines then the way that you filter more incoming information and messaging, which then determines your motives or your value systems, which determine the motives, your reasons to do things and the reasons not to do things, which then when you combine you know, the coding system, which is the stories, with the belief systems, which become your filters, which the value systems or your value sets, which become your motives, when you combine those three things together, you have your identity. That in itself is a psychology. The fastest way, tool, uh, mechanism to change any mind set or psychology is to start inputting new information is to part, it's start inputting new suggestions literally start telling yourself different stories you know I call them the commandments like st literally start deciding and defining deliberately and consciously the suggestions that you want to give yourself on a repetitious and repeated basis whereby the consequence of that suggestion coming true will create a behavior that will produce a natural consequence which is what you want uh, you know for me if you want if you're wanting a natural consequence to be able to remember things then you need to have a suggestion that will support that now, so for example after I had my stroke I, I my memory was compromised for a significant period of time. Well, actually, no, for a short period of time. But the way that I rehabilitated my memory was by using suggestion. And so I'd say to myself, you know, I have a photographic memory. Everything I see, hear, smell, taste, and touch, I recall with crystal clear accuracy. You know, when I first got into business, you know, I'd say things like, like I'm a master of sales and persuasion. You know, when I really sat down and got conscious with it, I said that I am asked that I, I asked that I am guided to understand the infinite psychological and metaphysical process of transformation, not just this understanding and application within myself, but also its understanding and its application and its teaching to others. I ask that I be receptive to my own love, divine, and guidance. I ask that I be present in each and every moment and situation, see the experience and the equanimity of love all around me. I ask that my path always be clear and my heart and my mind always be open. I ask that I remain humbled in the absolute magnificence of the divine order that surrounds me and my fellow mind. And that's an example. That's half of my... Should I keep going? Should I read the rest of the purpose? You know, I ask that my spirit be open to receive... All the spiritual material gifts that a life of a higher consciousness continually acts, uh, attracts. I ask that I be privileged to share my message of love in 196 countries around the planet and my, my, my legacy and my message of love transcends my life and the lives of trillions of people and conscious beings to come. I ask that I be privileged, privileged to consciously hear trillions of people through my shared knowledge and my shared gift. This is my creed. This is my quest. It is done. Now, I, I came up with that creed for, you know, for twofold. Number one, I did, wanted to define my life. But the second time, I wanted to create a set of suggestions whereby if they came true, as a natural consequence, I achieved everything that I want. So for me, I think one of the things that prevents people from getting what it is that they want is they don't consciously choose the programming that they have inside their computer, inside their operating system. So as a result, they're producing behaviors and in some cases leave them wondering, why did I do that, Timmy? I just did this. I just said that. I didn't do this. I should have done that. And I'm curious, why? But those, those questions can be answered really when you start becoming more conscious and you switch the lights on and you start paying attention to the language that you use internally. You know, Napoleon Hill in his book, Think and Grow Rich, you know, he called it auto-suggestion. And that is where you become consciously and acutely aware of the suggestions that you are saying to yourself on a moment-to-moment on a, on a -moment basis to start deliberately choosing and consciously and deliberately choosing the things that you want to say to produce the behavior that you want to demonstrate. Whereas most people are producing behaviors that they're holding on to as a result of suggestions that we're giving to them that are no longer conscious, they're just running an unconscious loop. So step one, become aware. And step two, start becoming very conscious of the suggestions that you're giving yourself on a very regular basis, moment to moment. But step three, if you want to become elite, start defining and writing down the suggestions that you want to create as a manifestation in reality. And the next step would be then just keep repeating them on a repetitious basis, repeatedly over and over and over and over and over and over and over until it gets a level of stickiness and momentum that it just creates a life of its own. And that just becomes your programming. And as a result, your behavior naturally changes. This next one has a quote at the beginning. Oh, a quote. Yeah, it says, the sooner, Heavy. The sooner you accept extreme levels of ownership for everything in your life, the sooner you will reclaim your power. 
Sounds familiar. How do you own the responsibility with something you don't think is your fault? See, I think ownership and responsibility are, 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 are similar, but they're different. You know, ownership is your ability to own a situation, outcome, or an event. Responsibility is really the second part because you can own a situation, but it's your responsibility that really matters because owning owning a situation is really maybe 5% of the scenario because to me, owning something is quite easy and for some people, it's mental masturbation. They own things to stop the fight. Well, okay, you, okay I'm wrong, I apologize. Okay, I'm wrong, I apologize. And some people will say that in a situation to diffuse the conflict, to create harmony. But the reason that the conflict will perhaps repattern or reignite you know, down, down the path or you know, in other conversations around the same thing is because the responsibility of the individual hasn't got to a level where they're responding in different ways. Your responsibility is your ability to respond differently to the situations that don't go your way. Owning the situation is one thing, but your ability to respond differently is going to determine if you produce a different result. But regardless of what you produce, responsibility and ownership is required because, you know, there are going to be situations and times where, you know, people do or people say or people don't do or people don't say the things that you want. And you're going to want to feel a level of opportunity or entitlement to actually blame them. But what we've got to understand, and this is the key here, is when we blame others, we literally give power for creation or power for, you know, uh, for feeling over to other people. Because, well, if we blame someone for the way that, that they, you said this and it made me sad. That's an enormous amount of power to give to any individual. People say things and they go, well, it wasn't my fault. They said it. Well, yeah, anyone should be able to say anything to you, but it's your ability to respond to the way that they say that determines what it actually means. So for me, you know, ownership and responsibility really comes down to owning this, owning this, okay? Owning this, how, do, how am I perceiving? I don't care what anyone else does. How am I perceiving what they do? I don't care what anyone else says, but what am I allowing them to generate in me that is beyond my control or within my control? You know, and this is the thing, if we all just stayed on our, in our own lane, if we all stayed on our own side of the street, we'd all start to realize that no one actually has the ability to affect our emotions. Only we do based on how we perceive the feedback. We can't control what other people do, but we can control the way that we respond to it. We can also, part two, own our co-creations because you might say well someone didn't say something to me someone did something that happened badly that reflected badly on me that's perhaps a slightly different situation and circumstance but what you've got to understand is in many respects that's a co-creation whether it be an individual creation or a co-creation in partnership with someone else responsibility and ownership comes down to having a high level of consciousness to realize that every situation, every situation, circumstance and opportunity is nothing more than a signpost. It's a, gui it's a guidance system to give you feedback on something that you need to be aware of. So when you're involved in situations of co-creation where things don't go your way and you have the desire to blame, the most responsible most, and the highest level of ownership, the highest level of consciousness, the highest level of responsibility in my opinion that you can demonstrate is asking what is my part in this? And what's the lesson in it for me? Because every individual has to take their own lessons from it. And the individual who's co-creating it with you might be, oh, that's not my fault. They might be on a completely different journey. And the person with the highest level of consciousness has the greatest level of responsibility. So everyone has their own journey. You focus on yours. If it's in co-creation, ask what, what is true, what, you know, what is the lesson for you? What was your role in it? What is your lessons? What is the benefit to you? You know, how, what skills, knowledge and experience did you get as a result of this co-creation you didn't have before that has made you better today, better, fitter, faster, stronger than you were yesterday? If it's singular creation, if it's something you created, again, 
start owning the situation, the circumstance, if it's emotional based on stimulus around you that you're responding in a way that is perhaps negative, start looking at your responsibility or ability to respond differently so that you're not just repeating old patterns based on old buttons that perhaps someone else programmed in you that aren't even yours in the first place. See, if you don't have any buttons, if you've got no triggers, and if you've got no buttons to push or triggers to pull, dude, you are powerful. No one can ever manipulate or control you emotionally because you just don't respond. That's the greatest level of responsibility. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is episode 37 of the Hey Kerwin Show. So, question of the day. We should have a question of the day. Actually, for any of your Hey Kerwin... <laughs> hashtag Hey Kerwin questions. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, get your questions in, whatever you want to know. Uh, I'll be more than happy to answer them. But the question of the day is... When you are in an emotionally volatile situation or if you're in a tough situation and you need to turn your mindset around, what is your go-to hack to get your mind straight, to get yourself out of a bender, to get yourself on the straight and narrow when things are going pear-shaped? How, how do you draw a straight line when you've got a wiggly curve coming at you? What do you do to reset the button when shit is going sideways? I'm curious to know. Answer below. Say hi to everyone for me. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Hey Kerwin where you have the questions and I give the answers. 